But, yeah, no, fuck that shit, that shit, no. What? Bro, give me, bro, if you're going out there and you're buying $700 steaks with 24 karat gold flakes on them, bro, you don't need your fucking money. Just give it to me. I could use your money right now. I'm, I, listen, I'm not in the business for a sugar mama, but Gabby, close your ears. I would take one, okay? I would take one. I'm not going to lie. If I didn't have to do anything, like if I didn't have to, you know, flash my dick at her and fuck her. Because listen, this, this, this sugar mama could be like 80 years old. I'm not doing that shit, bro. I can't. Okay? I can't. I can't fuck an 80-year-old woman. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm the certified cougar hunter, but I cannot fuck an 80-year-old woman. <laughs> yes, my mama eat you like Jeff Dahmer. Say she on a period. Let's make a mess, mama. I desensitize myself to it. I, 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 uh... I don't know, I went to great lengths. Never did I. Do it would be this easy. Had a month that shit greasy. Yeah, be the nigga shit cheesy. People said I get my corner when I turn around. Oh, it's just measy. Everybody wanna get away from me because I got heebie jeebies masked up like Michael. That game on the Halloween. What would you do with his sexual parts? I wouldn't enjoy it or anything. How long ago did this start, so? Anything you cancel, bro. I'm fixated on asphyxiating and breaking this little chick's neck like a pixie stick. The sick Satan worshiping bitches get horse whippings. I'm in the back, through the back door, slipping through the cracks, leaving the corpse, dripping the mortician of love. Sent from above, forced and treat her more. When she the more stingy, I become. Been doing this for more than a quarter century. I'm just numbing my dreaming. Is it real? Someone pinch me on the buns. Do you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like wolves could bounce right from it? Get friends, boots, 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 be a remix, get to 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 Welcome back to the rainy day horror show. I'm Big Daddy D, and you are listening to the number one podcast on the internet. And on today's episode, Dusty's covering something different. Tiny bit, a little bit. He's covering a case, a true crime case that basically crosses the paranormal and the true crime community into one little shindig. Usually it's a dude claiming he's a Satanist. This one's different, and I'm not going to say too much about it, because it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's out there. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce your host for this evening's show, Dusty McBalls. A.K.A. the Certified Cougar Hunter and your host with the most. Now sit back, 
shut up and enjoy this show. Thank you, Big D, for that beautiful intro, and happy Valentine's Day to you people. We've got a crazy story set up for this first episode of the day. Yes, there is two. I'm going to save the second one for a little, what is it, a little fucking, um... Surprise, that's the word. I'm not going to say anything on it because it's crazy. I don't know why I whispered there for a second, but it's fucking wild. It is. I'm going to give you a four-letter, or no, not letter, four-word hint. Incest, dismemberment, and drugs. That's all I'm going to say. It's a good fucking episode, so stay tuned for that, because that is coming out in two and a half hours. But before we get into that episode, let me tell you what we got going on today. We have a story on a priest who did some weird shit. This guy was a fucking lunatic. I don't know how he became a priest. I don't know what prompted these people or specifically this person to let him become a priest, but he became a priest. So sit back. It's going to be a little bit of a lengthy one, hopefully a little long. We always you know, are grateful for those long episodes, and this one might be up there. Hopefully around 40 minutes to an hour. This is just a fucking wild episode. You're gonna not want to continue working today because of this fucking episode. So, we're gonna jump right into it, get ready for it, because we're talking about Hans Schmidt. Hans Schmidt was born in Germany in 1881 to his father Heinrich and his mother Gertrude Schmidt. Hans' dad Heinrich worked for the local German railroad company while his mother Gertrude was a stay-at-home mom caring for their 10 kids including Hans. I don't know why people have so many fucking kids. All of the money that goes into raising a child, you have me fucked up with a capital fuck, okay? That is insane. Now, I'm not saying I'm a stingy person, but I love to indulge on shit for myself. So, fuck no to 10 kids. That is too much emotional support, baggage, if you want to call it. Don't get mad at me. Yes, I called it baggage, all right? Because, I mean, you might love your kids, 
but do you really love having 10 of them? It's like having 10 fucking dogs. No one knowing that shit would be. That shit would drive me up a fucking wall. Yes, I just equated children to dogs. Alright? Apologize. Kind of the same thing. Oh, did I strike a nerve with some of you people? Sorry. Okay. That was an intentional shot. I'm just giving you guys shit. But seriously, no. Ten kids, you got me fucked up if you think that'll ever happen in my life. Now, Han's family was well regarded within their small community in, I'm going to butcher this, Aschaffenburg, Germany. I think that's how you say it. I think it's Aschaffenburg, but that's where they lived. And this family was so fucked up on so many levels. It's just insane. On how fucked up they were. Now the Schmidt family had major battles with mental health illnesses. And I don't mean just within their immediate family. Like their brothers, their sisters, and their moms. I'm talking about aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, brothers, sisters, wives, husbands. I'm talking literally, almost Literally, well, literally, but almost everyone within this family that has either married into it or came from this bloodline had major mental health issues. Hans's great-grandfather was an alcoholic, okay? That can be, you know, some of that can lead to mental health illness, whether you're depressed or angry or whatever. You know, some people with mental illness can become an alcoholic to cope with their depression. We know this. His great-aunt, great-uncle, and cousin all committed suicide, and then another one of Hans's cousin spent their very last little bit of her life living inside of a mental institution. So when I say that Hans and his 10 siblings got abused when they were growing up, along with the fact that Hans had a weird obsession with blood, it shouldn't really be a shock to you guys. All right? Now, when Hans was growing up, his father, Heinrich, wasn't around that often. Just because he was basically traveling all around Germany trying to fix up the railroad system, doing maintenance, doing all that kind of stuff related to the railroad world. And as Heinrich would leave, he left Gertrude to take care and raise all 10 of their kids on her own. And this fucked her up really, really bad because it left her all alone in this house with no help. Just trying, I mean, obviously financial support was coming in through him, but like she didn't have any help with wrangling the kids, taking the kids to do whatever they wanted to do in their days. That sounded weird, but 
you you understand what I mean? Like she didn't she didn't have that um that system where if she couldn't if she was feeling ill, she couldn't have anybody come take little Hans to fucking soccer practice. He didn't play soccer, but she didn't have that. She had nothing. It was just her. And this sent her into a really, really bad depression. And because she was put in this bad depression, she wouldn't take care of the kids and would basically leave them to fend for themselves. And what she would do instead of caring for these kids is she would just go attend mass. And sometimes she would attend mass twice a day. And when she would come home, she would just go straight to her room, lock herself in there, sit down, and recite prayers while holding her rosary. And this is where the family dynamic really, really changed when she would do this because every time Heinrich would come home from his business trips and if he caught Gertrude practicing, you know, Christianity, because that's what she did, he would get really, really pissed off and he would just beat the living shit out of Gertrude. And allegedly, I say this in quotations, allegedly it was because he was a Protestant and she practiced Catholicism, which I think, if I'm right, I do remember looking it up. I can't remember word for word. I think Catholicism is like the Roman version of Christianity and the and Protestant is the Western version, but doesn't, it doesn't like do something with like the Roman Catholics. It's like something separate than the Roman Catholics than what they were doing. I think I explained that correct. I apologize if I fucked that up, but I think that's, it's not, I mean, you can look it up. It's just not, I didn't word it as well as, you know, if you Googled it. Now, if Heinrich ever caught Gertrude praying or doing anything related to Catholicism, it, like I said a little bit ago, it would send him into a violent rage. He would beat her, but just because he would beat Gertrude, that doesn't mean that their ten kids were safe from his rage either. Heinrich was... A man that had very fixed ideas about the way a child or human should behave properly. So if there was any sign of disobedience, and I mean the tiniest sign of disobedience, Heinrich would get out the belt and would just start going to town on some prepubescent ash cheeks, not sexually, okay, I'm telling, I'm talking like taking the belt off, and like just cracking that son of a bitch with the belt, that's what I mean, he was not a pedophile, well, I mean, from what I could find, he wasn't a pedophile, maybe he had some secret life where he was fucking some kids, but 
I couldn't find it. Now, even though he beat his kids and his wife regularly, it never discouraged Gertrude from going to church. And when Heinrich was away, she would attend Mass twice a day, like I said earlier. And, get this, she would even dress Hans up in a priest, like, kind of looking outfit. Not like, you know, what a priest would actually actually wear, but something similar to what priests do wear. And... Then, when she would dress him up, she would force him to practice mass with her at their home in front of a makeshift altar. And this ultimately gave him the nickname, the little priest within their tiny community. But, his childhood just, it wasn't just filled with beatings from his father and forced religion from his mother. Schmidt also exhibited a disturbing affection towards blood and suffering at an early age. According to the New York Daily News, Hans would allegedly spend a lot of time as a youth hanging around slaughterhouses which If that's not already weird enough, Hans would say the reason he would hang around these slaughterhouses was because he found the blood and the killing surrounding these poor animals arousing. And I say poor animals not as in, um, like, slaughterhouses should go away. No, bro, I love my fucking steaks. Keep killing cows, bitch. Alright? I love a good ribeye steak. So, when I say fucking, like, shit, fuck, what was I going to say? When I say that these poor animals, I mean the fact that these, he was watching these animals getting slaughtered and, like, these poor animals didn't know that this dude was just fucking watching them die. Like, that is sad. Bro, if I ever... Listen. If I'm a baby lamb, almost ready to be made into a euro, and I look, and I see this fucking dude off in the corner, watching me about to get slayed, bro, I would be fucking him up. I would tell my butcher. Is that what they're called? The slaughterhouse person? A butcher? I guess. I don't fucking know. I would look at my butcher and I would say, hey, Mr. T, not the, not the, not the, I pity the fool guy, not that guy, trust me, that was kind of cringy, but not, not the pity the fool guy, I just said Mr. T because it was the first fucking thing that popped in my head, I'm gonna look at Mr. T and I'm gonna say, hey, bro, I gotta go handle some business real quick, I'll be back in five, and then you can put me in the fucking thing chop me up and I can go be a euro for the rest of my life okay but I gotta go handle this weird fucking nine-year-old just with the raging erection watching me getting slaughtered bro fuck that I would go kill him I would be that little baby lamb that little 
succulent baby flesh meat of a lamb. And I'd go fuck him up. On a side note, because we were talking about steaks, and now I'm thinking about a steak. There's this place in Atlanta. I don't know if this is just because it's Atlanta. I don't know if they have it in Minneapolis. But in Atlanta, because this is the first place I ever saw it. I forgot which steakhouse it is. They have a 24 karat gold steak. Ribeye steak. The most succulent meat off of a cow. You know how much that shit goes for with the 24 karat gold on top? The little flakes. The things that you see rappers boasting about in the fucking music videos and shit like that. You know how much that shit goes for? $700. Now I understand, okay? If I had the money, I would totally fucking do that just to say that I did it. But you've got me absolutely fucked up. If you think I would ever order that normally. Hell no. Hell to the fuck. No. But, yeah, no. Fuck that shit. That's just, no. What? Bro, give me, bro, if you're going out there and you're buying $700 steaks with 24 karat gold flakes on them, bro, you don't need your fucking money. Just give it to me. I could use your money right now. I'm, I, listen, I'm not in the business for a sugar mama, but Gabby, close your ears. I would take one, okay? I would take one. I'm not going to lie. If I didn't have to do anything, like if I didn't have to, you know, flash my dick at her and fuck her. Because listen, this, this, this sugar mama could be like 80 years old. I'm not doing that shit, bro. I can't, okay? I can't. I can't fuck an 80-year-old woman. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm the certified cougar hunter, but I cannot fuck an 80-year-old woman. But what I can do is just have you send me fucking money for looking good. Hell yeah, brother. Sign me the fuck up. I will gladly take that money. And then I can pay off my car. I can go buy something nice for Gabby. Right? But let's get back to the story. Sorry, I digressed. Hans... While he was even at the slaughter at these slaughterhouses, Hans even at one point allegedly started meeting another boy named Fritz at these slaughterhouses, where they would then indulge in mutual masturbation together. And once they were done, you know, polishing each other off, they would then go out and kill small animals such as rabbits, chickens, birds, basically any small animal that they could get their grubby little hands on. But if that's not bad enough, Hans allegedly would also start doing his own religious rituals with human blood. And he would also allegedly and I mean, like, I mean, but like this, like, I really do mean allegedly because I don't fucking know if this is true. He would be seen walking around at night where he would then just suddenly stop and stand still for long periods of time. 
And when Hans was confronted and asked by the people within his community on what the fuck is he doing, he would look at them and he would tell them that he was hearing the voice of God. Like I said, this is alleged. Just because I could only find like this little stint coming from one source during my research. Okay, I don't fucking know if this is actually what happened, but like it's in the story. This is fucking alleged, okay? He allegedly would just walk around and talk to God, I guess. Didn't know that's a fucking thing. I didn't know just God comes down and just talks to you, bro. Why the fuck would he choose Hans? Hmm? The dude is mutually masturbating at a young age with another boy. Killing animals. Allegedly, allegedly, because I don't know how he got his hands on it. Also was doing rituals with real human blood? Like, what? Why the fuck would God want to talk to you? That goes against everything that stands within religion. So I'm fucking confused. I, I still don't have the answer on to why these people chose him to be a priest. But it get People, it gets fucking worse. Now as Hans grew older, it was only a matter of time before he was going to study for priesthood. Since, you know, basically his mom had drilled religion into his head since he was a boy. And when Hans turned 19, that's exactly what he did. He entered the seminary to study for priesthood. But this man was so far away from being a good priest. Like, if you look at a scale, and the middle says, meh, you could possibly be a priest. And the right side of the scale says, you could definitely be a priest. And the far left side of the scale says, you're definitely not a fucking priest. This dude was past that point. This dude was on the left side of the scale probably able to circle all the way around and become on the good side. Like, that's how fucked up this kid was. That's how fucked up he was. Now, Hans loved to explore his sexuality while he was studying for priesthood. Whether that was male, female, boys, and girls. Literally... No one was safe from his holy dick, okay? He would even get involved in a number of affairs, which is, if you know, religion is clearly prohibited by the Catholic Church. But minus the pedophilia and the affairs, Hans was also a criminal because shortly after he was ordained, Hans got arrested in Munich, for forging graduation certificates for students who had flunked out of school. After Hans got arrested, his dad Heinrich hired a lawyer 
and he was able to successfully argue that Hans comes from a family with a long and historic battle with mental illness and that he's personally not responsible for his poor judgment. Hans was, after this whole stint, he he won, but he didn't because he did get sentenced to be locked up in a local sanatorium for a month. So, I mean, I guess if he didn't, if they didn't take that plea, well, if they didn't take that approach to his trial, he probably would have been doing a lot more time. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Even though we do all these true crime episodes, I still don't know. I know all the murders and the sexual assaults and the rape charges. I know most of those. I don't know the forging charge side. Yeah, side. So, I don't know what he really would have gotten at this moment in history for a forging charge but I can guarantee you it is probably more than a month. Now, while he was locked up at this sanatorium, the church didn't strip him of his priesthood, and they actually let him continue to study while he was locked up. Also, if you're wondering how he became an ordained priest, according to Hans himself, this, this is fucking crazy. This is fucking wild. Like, it is so off the wall that I don't, like, there's no, like, I'm in the paranormal and there's no fucking way this is true. This has to be fake. And I'm not saying the re, like, where I got this quote from is fake, but I'm saying that he himself, Hans had to have been completely delusional to even fucking, like, tell people this. Like, this had to have come somewhere from his, like, innermost fucked up brain, okay? Hans told reporters, and I fucking quote, the real ordination took place the night before. St. Elizabeth herself ordained me. I was praying at my bedside when she appeared to me, and I said, I ordain you to the priesthood. She then disappeared. There was a light during her appearance. Please tell me, people, I'm not the only one that thinks this is fucking crazy. Please. This has to be like something that he concocted in his own brain. Because she comes up again later on in this fucking episode. Not even joking. I'm not going to spoil it, but she comes up later in this fucking episode. Hans was allegedly ordained in priesthood between 1904 and 1906, depending on what source you're looking at. And at the time, he was roughly around the age of 25 years old. Now, after Hans was ordained into priesthood and while he was doing his whole forging stint, he ended up, once he got out, he ended up getting assigned to a small Georgia, not Georgia, that's funny, Ger German, not, god damn it, god damn it, 
I know George is a country, but I meant German. To a small German town called Burgle. I think that's how I pronounce it. I'm sorry to my German listeners if I fucked that up, okay? Where he decided... Well, while he was there, he then decided to flip the fucking script on the locals by altering the mass that these people would attend at this church that he was now running himself. Hans would alter the rituals and the wording within his incantations to fit his own ideas. And this pissed the locals off. And just after being the Burgle priest for a few years, Hans was then transferred to St. John's Parish in Louisville, Kentucky in 1908 because, now this is why he got transferred out of there, the locals in Burgle were tired of his altered masses along with the rumors of his love affairs and the alleged extortion of money from the elder parishioners in exchange for promises of salvation. Once Hans landed his new priest job in Louisville, Kentucky, Hans quickly relocated once again because he was bumping heads with the Catholic leaders in Louisville. There is also where he allegedly, allegedly, this is only rumors, there was, and I explained this scene more at the end of the episode, there was a rumor that Hans was suspected to have caused the death of a nine-year-old girl, and that he was running a counterfeit money operation, but those claims were never fully investigated, and they just stayed a rumor. After he got booted from Louisville, he found new residency in Manhattan, where he was relocated to the St. Boniface Church. And it was here, at this church, where he met a young Austrian housekeeper. Her name was... Anna Amuller, and she had just been recently hired by the church along with Hans. And she is also our victim in today's story. Also around this time, Hans met a man named Ernest Miret, who was a dentist within their local area. After Hans and Anna met, they quickly started dating, and as soon as they started dating, Hans decided to cheat on her with Ernest. Yes, another affair. This is like one of many in his life. Now as the relationships progressed, Hans ended up illegally marrying Anna on February 16th in 1913. And I say illegal in the sense of religion. Because as a Catholic priest, Hans was banned from marriage and sexual affairs. But he didn't care. And he ultimately ended up marrying Anna in a private scene by officiating their own 
wedding. Now, after they got married, Hans was then relocated again to another church named St. Joseph Church in Western Harlem. Well, not Western, but West Harlem. Sorry, I got to itch my nose real quick. Okay, there we go. Where was that? Now, there is a little bit of speculation surrounding his third relocation, and a lot of experts that have examined his case suggest that the church may have found out about the marriage and they transferred him in order to keep it from coming out to the public. But that's only speculation. And either way, Hans did not give a shit and it didn't stop him from seeing Anna and his marriage between Anna definitely did not stop Hans from seeing Ernest because allegedly Hans was also a part of Ernest's new scheme that had, well, not new scheme, new counterfeiting scheme. I tried to itch my nose while saying that and it just fucked me up. But he was running a counterfeit scheme and he just launched it so Hans decided to jump in. I couldn't find what kind of counterfeit business it was, but experts suggest that Hans had joined whatever illegal business that Ernest was running. But, like most things in life, and even though he thinks he's living a very, very affluent and I'm not talking in the rich sense, even though I think that's the definition of affluent. I'm talking affluent as in he thinks his life is perfect. It's going good, right? Eventually that all came to an end. And this is very true in the case of Hans Schmidt. Towards the end of 1913, when Anna was just 21 and Hans was 31, yes, they had a little bit of an underage stint, right? When they started dating, get this, when they started dating, Hans was, well, 31, 26, 26, Anna was 16. I'm pretty sure I just did the math right. I don't know. I, I, I failed algebra a few times, okay? So, I think I did my math right. Which, pedophile, but we already fucking knew that. We already fucking knew this dude was weird. So, when, when at the end of 1913, when Anna was 21 and Hans was 31, Anna found out that she was pregnant. And she obviously told Hans that she was preggers. And after she told Hans the grand news of a successful reproduction Something flipped within the twisted brain of Hans Schmidt. Hans became really scared because he knew that his days were numbered if the news of a quote-unquote celibate, 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 I think that's how I pronounce it, celibate, in celibate, celibate, we'll roll celibate. Priest had married and impregnated a woman. So what do you think Hans did? I don't have to really tell you what he did, but I'm going to. On September 2nd, 1913, Hans decided 
to slash Anna's throat with a 12-inch butcher's knife in an uptown Manhattan apartment that he had rented for her. After he slit her throat, Hans then decided to saw her body in half with a hacksaw. He then sawed her... He then... After... Whoa, hold on. He... Whoa. I think I read a line too quick and it fucked me up for a second. He first decided to saw her head off of her body with a hacksaw. He then sawed her body in half and wrapped her dismembered corpse in newspapers and put the separate sections of each body in pillowcases that were monogrammed with an A on it. After he put said body parts in the pillowcases, he then attached a large piece of gray and green schist, which is a very fancy term for a rock. It is a type of rock. So, I had to look it up because I didn't know what a schist was, but I wanted to throw it in the episode because I thought it was a funny fucking word. But yes, schist is a green, is a type of rock that's green and gray colored. And once he, you know, attached the rock to the fucking pillowcase, that's the word, pillowcase, he then dumped her body in the Hudson River. And after Hans dumped the lifeless corpse of Anna in the Hudson River, he hoped that the rocks he attached to the pillowcases would hold her down to the bottom of the river. But it didn't. And just three days after her body had been dumped, Anna's upper torso had washed up on the New Jersey side of the Hudson River, where she was discovered by two kids in Weehawken, New Jersey, three miles downriver from where she was originally dumped. After Anna's upper torso was discovered and the authorities had been called, the police ended up finding Anna's lower torso wrapped in a pillowcase with a rock attached to it in the original spot that her body was dumped in. Even though her body was found in New Jersey, the New Jersey Police Department ended up giving all of the evidence to the New York Police Department because the rock that was attached to the pillowcases was extremely rare in New Jersey and mostly found in New York. So they assumed that this situation, this case, happened in New York. Once the body and the evidence was turned over to the NYPD, the NYPD ran an autopsy on Anna's body and they found out other than being completely dismembered and sawed in half, that she also had given a premature birth shortly before she was murdered. Now, through my research, I couldn't find if this person was actually, like, lived. So what I'm going to assume is that maybe Hans killed the baby. Maybe he got up in there with the coat hanger, dug this little shit out. 
and killed it. That's what I'm going to assume that he did, but I don't I don't know 100%. I'm just going to say that that is plausible that it could have happened. Now, while the coroner was conducting his autopsy on Anna, the detectives decided to look through the evidence that they have collected from New Jersey. And they found out that the pillowcase with the A on it that Anna's body was put in was distinctive enough to lead them to a local company that trademarked the bed linens. That's a fun word to say. Bed linens. God, I feel fucking old for saying that. With an A. And this business thankfully kept very detailed records on the people that dealt that they dealt with. And because they kept all of these records and all of these details of who they were de- dealing with, I almost said detailing with, but dealing with, they were ultimately able to point the direction, they were able to point the police in the direction of Anna's apartment. Once the police had arrived at Anna's apartment complex, they decided to question the landlord about Anna and her history on renting this apartment. It was here, at this point in our story, where the landlord told the authorities that Hans Schmidt had rented the apartment for a female relative two weeks prior. The landlord then led the officers to the apartment where Hans and Anna were staying. And when this landlord opened the door to this apartment, a graphic and horrible scene unfolded right before their eyes. What they found upon entering this apartment was blood splattered walls and floors. A scrubbing brush with six bars of soap on the bathroom sink and a trunk that had written letters addressed to Anna that mentioned Hans and his place of employment which is St. Joseph's Church along with handkerchiefs with an A embroidered on them. The exact same A that the pillowcases of Anna were those pillowcases that Anna was found in. After the detectives made this massive discovery, lead detective Inspector Faroe and his partner drove to St. Joseph's Church where they decided to question Hans about his blood-soaked apartment that was being rented out by him and Anna. Now this is where this story gets a little bit confusing because some sources say he confessed right away while others say he denied killing her and only said that he was helping a woman down on her luck by giving her a place to stay but then eventually confessed after the police kept pressuring him with the evidence they found. So, I don't know 
100% which route is correct, but he somehow confessed. I don't know how he confessed or which way it was, but he confessed. Now, after they confronted him about what they found, Hans was arrested for the murder of Anna Mueller and went to trial for her murder on December 7th, 1913. Now, Hans's trial was a fucking shit show. It was just basically a media frenzy and this is why it really became a shit show because they, well, Hans's attorney went with an insanity plea just like he did with the first time Hans, well, separate attorney, but they went the same route, okay, as Hans did in his first trial for the forging and this was what his attorney said to the jurors and the judge that he that Hans he him Hans was overwhelmed with bloodlust and was too insane to know right from wrong and Hans played extremely hard into this plea deal Because when he was questioned in court, he told everybody, everybody in there, that he gets sexually aroused by blood. And remember when I said St. Elizabeth is going to pop back up into it because it is now her time to shine once again. Hans also claimed that St. Elizabeth, the fucking Saint Elizabeth came down to him and told him herself. Elizabeth told Hans to fucking kill Anna. And it sort of worked. Not going to lie, it kind of did work a tiny bit, just a little bit once again. Okay, just a little bit though. It ended up, this plea deal ended up, whoa, I'm short circuiting again. This plea deal ended up fooling two members of the jury and his trial ended in a hung jury. But thankfully, the second trial that came around, the fucking jurors weren't as dumb or forgiving and they ultimately convicted him of first degree murder and sentenced him to death by electric chair. He is the only priest to ever be executed for his crimes only priest in history out of all of the centuries well i don't okay centuries might be a little too well too long but post well we'll say like 1800s and up until now he's the only priest i don't i would assume he's the only priest like in all of religious stuff, years, centuries, stuff like that. I would assume he's the only priest that has ever been um, executed publicly for his crimes, but I don't know, so I'm going to say allegedly. He is allegedly the only one. Well, he is, but 
I don't know if you want to go that far back because people were wild in those medieval times and prior. So, yeah, I don't. From my knowledge, he is the only priest that has ever been executed in all eternity. Hans was put to death on February 18th, 1916 in New York's notorious Sing Sing prison. But our story doesn't stop there. Remember the girl that I said earlier that he may have murdered in Louisville, Kentucky? Well, there is a little bit of a conspiracy, some speculation, some, you know, weird shit surrounding her death. Her body was found in the basement of that church that Hans had worked at in Louisville, and she was found dismembered in an eerily similar way to... Anna's body, but I don't know, I'm, well, they didn't have as good technology back then, so the reason that he didn't get quite convicted for it was because they ended up convicting a janitor that worked at the, um, the church, and the only reason that people, like experts with the within this case kind of tie her death to Hans is because she was just, she was murdered and dismembered in the exact same fucking way. But it doesn't stop there. It gets even, it gets even, it gets even crazier. Okay. Because if you trace Hans's timeline even further back to when he was in Germany and just first starting out as a priest the german police did have evidence that was being collected of a murdered girl in schmidt's hometown of ashfenberg that actually did trace the murder back to hans but the german police never had a chance to question him because when they're case was like actually fully gaining momentum again with all like the new technology and shit that was coming out they wanted to question him but he was he just recently got executed and the girls the poor girls case ended up going cold and that is the end of the story that's a good fucking story priests i'm telling you they're dangerous people right if I was in a room with a serial killer and a priest, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, depending on the serial killer, at least I know he doesn't, you know, touch little boys. Okay, I'm just, listen, there are some weird fucking little serial killers out there that do touch the little boys and the little girls, but if, if he, if he doesn't, bro, Bro, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't really give a shit. I'd rather be next to a stone-cold fucking killer than a priest. I apologize for pissing you people off, but I'm just telling you what it is. So. But damn, really the only priest to ever be, like, publicly executed 
for well, I don't not not publicly, technically not publicly, but executed for crimes. That's fucking crazy. That is really, really crazy. But that's all I really got for you guys. It's late. Well, at the time that I'm recording this, it is late. I'm tired. I don't want to go to work. You guys should come work for me. Is what we should do. Start a communist country. Just kidding. That was a joke. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. But I'm going to end the episode right here. I hope you guys have a good Valentine's Day. Make sure men, boys, teenagers. Well, not like teenage boys. Ew, that sounded weird. We'll say young men. Make sure you go and get something for your girlfriend or your wife. Because holy shit. If you didn't get her anything and you fucking forgot, I can't hate I can't help you, brother. I can't fucking help you. You're on your own. You're gonna be listening to me. In your head. Just saying, bro, you fucked up. But at least we got that side piece coming over, right boys? Hell yeah. I'm just joking, ladies. I'm sorry. I apologize. But I'm gonna end the episode here. Have a good Valentine's Day. Watch a Valentine's Day horror movie. I'm going to be watching the Valentine, Saint Valentine, Saint, my bloody Valentine, bloody, my bloody Valentine. You know the fucking movie with the dude with the pickaxe. Okay. So remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. And most importantly, the most important thing on this planet, stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all. Deuces.